podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. Good to have you with us, gang. And it is great to have Marek Larwood back in the house. Brilliantly funny man. Detroit Lions super fan. And of course, a longtime friend of the show. I know he's a fan favorite. I know a lot of you have been getting in touch with us on our social channels, asking when Marek is going to be back. Well, your wish is our command. Here he is helping me get into all, well, most of the big week seven games. We're going to also get into his mid-ish season awards as well. So his favorite player so far, best team so far, best moment, uh, and frame some of the games around that as well. So really looking forward. It's always a lot of fun. And I'm sure we'll go off on XYZ tangents too. So let's get straight down to it as we get you set for this weekend's action with the fantastic Marek Larwood. Marek Larwood back in the house. It is good to see you, man. How's life? Pretty good, thank you, Nat. Pretty good. I'm enjoying the uh, last of autumn. I recently did the Norfolk Coastal Path. Oh, wow. So what, you did it, as in you walk, walked it, you ran yeah. it? Yeah, mm-hmm. ran it. Look at me now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a, light, a light jog? For those who are listening to this on audio only, mm. um, I've described myself as a very muscly pursuit. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Six it, foot man. Chiseled, I, chiseled. Chiseled, yeah, ripped. If I didn't know you, I would... You And listeners, again, to paint the picture, you'd take one look at Marek and say X-Pro. I mean, yeah. you'd say, wouldn't you? You'd say... Or an alternative thing is egg. Or I've also been described as... <laughs> right, right. I look like someone's thumb. Mm. So we're going to... Any or all of the above. So X-Pro slash egg slash someone's, someone's thumb. Yeah, just draw uh, a face on your thumb and then you can uh, imagine that's me. <laughs> now, you are wearing uh, an LA Dodgers shirt, which... So things are, things are looking up on that front. Well, I started... Because I don't know about you, now with American sports, you choose your teams. Obviously, as long-term listeners will be bored of me moaning about the Detroit Lions and my misery. Are we going to get into for the last, uh, what is it now, about a fifth? Well, I've seen, uh, since I've known them. And um, I picked the 76ers because I was born in 76 for basketball. Mm, nice. They've sort of been pretty rubbish until recently. Mm-hmm. Norwich City and my other team. So basically, in terms of football and uh, uh, American football, 14 games Norwich City and the Detroit Lions have played and there's no wins so far. There's no wins. <laughs> it's going well. No wins this season. So I thought about five years ago, I picked the Dodgers and thank God I support someone who's good. It's really strange supporting a team that are good. I'm I think you allowed that. You're allowed that pass when you do have, you know, because I mean, you grew up in Norwich, didn't you? So they're your local team and Detroit. What made you choose the Lions? I know you've told me this before, but remember. It was me. the colours, a combination of the colours and Barry Sanders in his. So, okay, sure. So he was a hell of a player. and uh, But yeah, that was, it's unlucky because it shouldn't happen. You know, something we talk about a lot on the show that the exceptions to the rule on either side, so the Patriots and their success over the last couple of decades shouldn't have happened. And, and conversely, the Lions should have been this bad it's not meant to it's not meant to happen you've been quite unlucky there it just the Detroit Lions just not only do they break me as a supporter they break every single person that comes into contact with them <laughs> not interesting a bit like the new a little bit like the new plot of the or the plot of the new Bond movie it's a little <laughs> is that I've saying? not seen it it's basically if, if you want to like say that. to someone who's the, the least mm. I mean, even Matthew Stafford who is mm. possibly 
the most competitive, upbeat yeah. person in the history of sport. <laughs> and well, that, my yeah. favourite player of all time, I think even he was slightly was broken, broken by them. Yeah. Couldn't handle it another second. Well, we're going to get into that because, of course, it's, it's the uh, Jared Goff revenge tour. Uh, Lions-Rams, one of the games we're going to get into on the Week 7 slate. Uh, we're also going to base a few games, look at a few games around uh, a fairly hastily conceived concept of Marek's uh, mid-ish season awards. So we're almost oh, in the middle of the season. That's pretty catchy, actually. I quite like that. I like it. Uh, so we've got your, your favourite moment uh, we're going to look at, your favourite player so far, uh, the best team. That's another one that we've got. Uh, I'm not sure if there are any more. We'll try and squeeze a few more in um, and see where that leads us. So we're going to get into a number of games around that and hear a little bit more about how you found the season so far and what you've enjoyed and what you, what you haven't. But start with, start with the Lions-Rams for, for obvious reasons. And two teams at diametric opposites right now, aren't they? And Jared Goff under fire. Let's start with Goff. And I'm keen to get your take on Dan Campbell as well and all the new things in Detroit and where you think it might lead. He, Campbell, this is called out as quarterback after last week. It was pretty damning. And this is Campbell's style, right? He's been in his defense pretty clear from day one that he's going to be that kind of head coach calling things out and uncompromising, dogmatic, quite old school, all of those things. Was it fair that he did that though? Is, has Goff been as bad as that suggests? I think there's so many different factors here. I, I've quite liked Dan Campbell. I think, and there's, I looked at a poll on the uh, Pride of Detroit, which are the sort of fat, was the fan page for mm. Detroit Lions. And he had something like a 96% uh, approval rating. Wow, this is recent. Be, despite being 0 and 5. Okay. So that is with two sort of last minute field goal losses before this week. Right. I think people hated Bob Quinn, who was the old general manager, and Matt mm-hmm. Patricia. Mm hmm. Uh, they did so much damage to that team in terms of the roster, some of their draft selections and, and just everyone, everyone left at the end of last season. So it was not only that Stafford left, but in terms of Marvin Jones, mm-hmm. Kenny Golladay left. Golladay, Diggs had oh, gone, Quandre Diggs had gone. Of, oh, he'd gone, yeah. but he got traded before. Basically, yeah. the, 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 I would say, the problem, the, one of the problems Jared Goff has got, first of all, in spite of Jared Goff, is that he's lost his, our best player on the offensive line, Frank Ragno. Mm-hmm. The centre's gone. Taylor Deck has been out injured. Yeah. So, uh, Penny Sills, the rookie who was a seventh or eighth round, eighth draft pick, yeah. playing left tackle. How's he played so far? He's played okay. He was a bit bad last, not so good last week. Mm. But then again, it's I just think it was rookie season. He's moving and he was training up to be a right tackle because Taylor Decker was there. Right. And then Taylor Decker got injured. He moved back to left tackle. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those things you're playing against pros. I think, with, you know, you're, you're in your first year from college during a COVID sort of season as well to playing against seasoned veterans. It's mm. just who've got all the tricks. He doesn't know them yet. Mm-hmm. So there, there's that for Goff. But the main problem is our wide receiving unit. It's literally a practice squad. Mm. He, we got Trinity Benson. He's injured. He Cephas Howard was our number one receiver and he's out injured. And he was the, the fifth string receiver last year. Mm. None of our receivers. We've got Khalil Hodges. I don't even know who he is. Uh, <laughs> Amon St. Brown. He's a fourth round draft pick. Khalif Raymond. They're all practice yeah. squad members. Yeah. They wouldn't even get on. Literally, they've seen someone in the park catch a ball. 
than you can probably get on the Detroit Lions <laughs> wide receiver. So roster. this is all a really, really supportive argument in defense of Jared Goff. And it's something that if you work further up the, the, the food chain, that I think is, it's now changing with the Ravens, but I think it's been absolutely the case with Lamar over the last couple of seasons. The, the critics of Lamar, and they still persist as well. It's still, I find it baffling that they do, given everything he continues to achieve. But, well, uh, Lamar's just not that strong with his arm and he's not that, never going to be that kind of player. And quite obviously, up until this season, and even you could argue, including this season, has got, the receiving core has got strong, but he hasn't had the same kind of receivers that, Mahomes has had that Josh Allen has had they went out and got digs right and you know so it's changing now Hollywood Brown stepping up Rashad Bateman could be uh, you know a serious player he's got Mark Andrews he's got more weapons around him but he, you have to factor that in you have to, and I know that the, the counter argument will be well look at the the, the the great quarterbacks make it work whatever Brady never had many number one receivers yada 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 but come on it, 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 there is clearly a connect there and so in Goff's defense, he's got nobody other than Hawkinson to throw to. So I would say this is the the worst receiving core right. in NFL history. But I think <laughs> wow. I genuinely would. Yeah, yeah. But I think what they, what they should do with quarterback stats, what they should do as well. I think some people do it. They do um, the average yards of separation per yes. receiver. Yes. And that's a crucial factor in for sure. any for any team. So I think they're trying, trying to get a, they're trying to get a, a veteran receiver, but no one going there. But anyway, that's one mm. point. But apart from that, I Jared, it's Jared Goff is not good enough. And the reason is, is it's odd. You, I sort of, I've seen, I know Matthew Stafford probably better than any other player. I think he's brilliant, but I still see him doing the same sort of Matthew Stafford errors that are so ingrained in his personality that every now and then Stafford will try something spectacular or the, the gunslinger. Yeah. The there's five, the five. Yeah. There's that in Matthew Stafford has got that 5%, 10% gunslinger, which is innate in his brain. Mm. You cannot stop that. No matter all the training, Jared Goff just doesn't have the processing power to be a top quarterback. He doesn't see the reads. He doesn't mm. see there's been numerous occasions when players like um, John Dre Swift was wide open or players. He just doesn't go through um, his, he doesn't get to his third, second or third read quick enough. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, this was always the, the book on him uh, in LA and they made it work because of McVeigh. And his brilliance in particular and the connection there, and I think a lot was discussed about the mechanical nature of Goff that everything was scripted. And in the end, that became a, a massive frustration for, for McVeigh. I mean, it was it worked particularly when Gurley and the ground game was working. And, and, and of course, the, the receiving core is, is a great point that it, this is a, a problem that's accentuated when you do have you you, know, you don't have someone like Megatron or you don't have a digs that can make stuff happen. You don't have DK Metcalf to make stuff happen. Uh, you, you say it's even more reliance on uh, a player like Goff uh, to to exceed the norm, his norm anyway. So Goff isn't is not the long term answer. Do you think you'll move on from him this at the end of the season? They're going. I presume you're going to have a top three pick. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Take I mean, quarterback. The, I mean, the key moment with Goff. Let's talk about that. Was which is quite interesting. Is which made me sort of, I mean, <laughs> just reading all this stuff into into one moment was when he was on the sidelines last week and he just looked, you looked at his face and he just looked as though someone who thought, oh, I hate 
I hate this job. Yeah. Don't even like, you know, yeah. I don't even want to do it. Then, then I thought, well, fair enough. You don't want to do it. But if you were Jared Goff and you were getting paid 25 million, <laughs> that's what he's on his base salary. Mm. You were, and you hated your job and you just really just didn't really want to do it. You still go, oh, I'll just do a couple, I'll just do a couple of years of this. Yeah, right, right. Well, I suppose what he's, I don't know, what, what his motivation is. And there's, I guess there's an assumption that you're right, the money, the money counts for a lot, but there's an assumption that these guys are doing the thing that they love and why wouldn't they be glad of the opportunity all the time? But we forget that the, the, the serious about money notwithstanding, they're human beings like us and they're inevitably going to go through ups and downs in their work like like we all do, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, the same, it's the same thing. It's like, basically, I was comparing myself to Jared God. <laughs> <laughs> He's, we missed him off at the beginning of the of people you oh, resemble. Oh, yeah. Because it's the thing, I, I do comedy and acting mm. and now I'm 45 <laughs> and my, I get less and less of those things. I would say... If I'm honest, I don't really enjoy. It. I don't really enjoy it anymore as much as that feeling to, I had. Yeah, changing. in my all, in the twenty my twenties when I really wanted to. Oh, I think I want to be famous. I want to do that. Yeah. Now I can't bear it if anyone notices me <laughs> or talks to me. I just want. To, but then again, I can't. I can't do anything else. To it. that's my job. That's what you write. So I just that's I literally you know. thought. I mean, it's definitely reading far too much. But <laughs> I love it though. I, I looked I, at Jared Goff and I thought, well, you've. Do- what else can you do? Trapped. Just, Goff just, is, is trapped. So, I mean, Campbell, you like. So do you, uh, let's expand upon that because, and it's interesting to hear that number of, the, the level of support he has amongst the fans, right? It, it, I think the neutral, I like him as a neutral watching him. He's an engaging guy and an earnest and straightforward character. And it does seem that even though the team is woefully inadequate in terms of talent, they're playing for him. And that's that's usually the, the critical thing. I actually felt just as a side note, that abundantly clear, surprisingly, with with Jacksonville and with Urban Meyer, you know, I thought that. Yeah, was, yeah. But that was really interesting to see up close that they were, and you could uh, apply this. I know they've had a few blowouts, but Houston and David Cully, it feels like they're playing. Yeah, exactly. For him. They really want to play for this. They're buying into it, and that isn't a, a given. It often, is, is not the way, of course, on a losing team. So, so that bodes well. But there's a huge amount that needs to be done. So, what? Where would you start? Would you look at? Sticking with Goff for another year, trading that pick down and re-upping because you've got so many holes. Because, I mean, look, going into this Rams game, the Lions rank 31st in passing touchdown percentage allowed, 32nd in yards allowed, adjusted yards allowed, passer rating allowed. I could go on, but basically the defense isn't great. The secretary is not great. So you need help in most most areas of the game. So is it that is that the play you'd like to see, the team trading down the high pick to get more capital? Well, that's a thing. The problem is next. This is the crucial thing, which is a, a massive pain in the ass. Next year, there's no standout quarterbacks. Right. No, who who is the big player? We've had a couple of years of like huge. You know, we had the Trevor Lawrence year. Year before that, we had Justin Herbert and Tua. You know, all these players. Yeah. There's a couple of. Uh, I think there's a Mississippi quarterback. I can't remember his name. Who's supposed to be okay. But I would say there probably isn't a better, from what I've read, Mac Jones, who was drafted when second round by uh, New England, uh, or first round, round, first round. Oh, right. I think he is still uh, better. Mid, mid round. He was like 15, 16, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. He is still better 
in my opinion, from what than what I've seen of all the new wave of college quarterbacks. So there's no point wasting that first or second round, first or second draft pick is going to be, I yeah, think. Yeah. But then again, who is going to trade up for it? Who's going to, how are you going to get rid of that pick? Like this, who's going to trade up for, who yeah. is there to trade up for that first and second spot? I don't know how they're going to get rid of it. Yeah. But so I would, I would just, I would get the best player who's not a quarterback. Do you know what I would do? There's one player who I'd like to see be the Detroit Lions quarterback who would fit in with this whole ethos. Mm. So I would dump Goff because I think it's just after this season, there's just no point. I just don't think he's got the goods to do it. Can I have a guess who you're going to say? Because you haven't told me. So, yeah, guess. okay. I think, and it's got to be presumably a realistic acquisition. Yeah. Right? yeah. Somebody could get, okay. I'll, I'll throw, I'll throw two names out there. Here we go. So I'll say you're either thinking Fitz or mm-hmm. you're thinking Tyrod Taylor. Neither. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I think we should get a sixth round pick or fifth round pick on mm. Gardner Minshew. Minshew. I love that idea. Because yeah. he's got nothing. Because we we want to tank for two years, pretty much, because we're going to need to get a good quarterback. Mm. Get someone in who will actually... Re- when, I, when he was playing for Jacksonville last year... Uh, where, uh, or was it a bit year before? Yeah, he just reignited the fan base. I'd really like him. Mm. I think he's got the personality that would fit with Dan Campbell. Yeah, yeah, I'd yeah, like yeah. to see him play. And Fitz and Tyrod Taylor, there's sort of no point really getting them. Just give an, and you a younger, round pick. but yeah. proven relatively. So that's a great idea. Just looking at this, actually, because I, I was looking at a mock draft board as you were talking. And incidentally, if you want to get the inside skinny on a lot of the college players coming through the draft that are going to be in uh, the, we think anyway, the first round or first or second round, check out our college days series with Ben Isaacs. He did a lot of good stuff on, on quarterbacks in particular merits. So you might want to listen to that one. Matt Corral, I think you were talking about the, yes, the oldest quarterback, it. but there are, there are three or four that are, you're right. A bottom half of the first round projected at the moment. So there's no one anywhere remotely resembling what we saw this year at the moment. And that can change of course. Um, but at the moment that is, that is the case. But looking at this, you've got uh, Detroit. This has got two picks in the first round. You yeah. The two. Rams Rams yeah. first pick. Right. Yeah. So you could be the one... 32nd. Pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 100%. <laughs> the um, draft Nick that's writing this mock board, uh, Joe Broback. There you go. I want to give him a credit because he makes the point. It's not my point that you can trade. Uh, sorry. You don't necessarily have to trade down because you'll probably get a quarter. If you want to go that route, get one of those quarterbacks, in, in the lower reaches of the, of the first round, or if you are, if you do end up having the 29th overall pick, you could probably trade up a little bit without giving too much. If there's a guy, you know, a few, few spots up. All right. Uh, so Lions, uh, Minshew, or at least to change at quarterback, you believe in Campbell, long way to go. Let's flip the script and talk about your old babe, Matthew Stafford uh, in LA. How difficult has it been to, to watch him enjoy his football and succeed? Or, or it, conversely, you're quite happy seeing him after all the all the torment he went through in Detroit is it is it is it do you like watching it or is it painful to see I've got an allegory for this <laughs> so when you so you're in a long-term relationship with someone and this things aren't going that well and this is my relationship with Matthew Stafford basically <laughs> in Detroit Lions Okay. Uh, but I'm, it's, I'm putting in so mm. you're in a long-term relationship things aren't going that well and you both decide to go separate ways mm. you think it's mutual but then next week you see your former partner with a new boyfriend who's much better looking than you <laughs> got more money 
she looks like she's having loads more fun. She's laughing like you never. I, I, you think I, I never saw her smile like that when I never she made her was laugh. with me. <laughs> and you realise you still love them, so you phone up and say, "Look, I think I made a mistake. I think I still love you." And they say, "Oh, I've just realised I never really loved you for the whole twelve years." <laughs> Oh boy, it's a that, that is that pretty is much like, it. It's a it's a perfect a perfect analogy. Oh boy, well, so you're hurt. You must be hurting a bit. And and at the moment, Stafford's got the new the new squeeze and uh, <laughs> the car, and it could be you know the next thing you know, you're going to see a a Kingsbury esque gold glass condo and the pitter patter of tidy feet, and it's just going to. Yeah. Or is it? I mean, is it going to? Do you feel the Rams are? Uh, they're obviously contenders. So it would be a stupid question to ask you, do you think they're contenders? But do you think they have enough to push the team that I think is undeniably the, the strongest in the NFC in it, anyway, the the Tampa Bay Bucks? Do you think that when it comes to the deep waters of the playoffs and crunch time that you could put an argument to back the Rams to go all the way? I mean, I think the problem is the Bucks have got so much experience and so much I think I said to you in a podcast last year that I fancied the Bucks all the way through the playoffs because they've got the upside and they've got the playoff all their players have got that big time gear yes Leonard Fournette you know Antonio Brown they've all got Gronkowski's a classic the big game extra gear yeah the Rams I could see, I mean, they are, you could say if they had Stafford, well, if they had anyone but Goff, they would have won that Super Bowl a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think what I looked at their yards per game, and it's interesting, their offense has improved by about 60 or 70 yards per game. Mm-hmm. Under, with, convers- under Stafford, you mean? Under Stafford. Yeah. But conversely, their defense is, is weaker because they lost Michael Brockers and a couple other people. Yeah, well, Brockers went to you guys, of course. Yeah, so they're conceding about. Yeah. Well, next to 60 or 70 yards per game. Now, Aaron, Aaron Donald's one of the oldest people on that uh, mm. defense now. And their secondary, when I see him, didn't look too hot to me. So I think... Um, yeah, I mean, the secondary, you know, in particular is, is you know, Jalen Ramsey notwithstanding is, is where they, they, they've they weakened substantially. Yeah. And you're right up again. This is something that we're getting into more and more now. I was chatting to, to producer all about this, that, well, again, on WhatsApp, we were looking at power rankings and just discussing it. And the you've got to start projecting ahead now to specific matchups in the playoffs. We're talking in particular about the, uh, the way that the Titans matched up very well against the bills, right? So the Titans are not as good a team as the bills. Clearly certainly defensively. They're not even, not even close in terms of talent and in terms of overall productivity and capability offensively. It's probably a fairer fight. It is always dependent of course on Derek Henry going off, but that's kind of the point and that enables the play action and everything else. They're stronger with Julio receiving call. They're better offense year on year than they were were before. But it, they're not as they're clearly not as talented overall a team as the Bills. But it's a very good matchup for for the Titans. And this is obviously what happens in playoff ball, right? You have two teams that are, are, are good enough to get to the playoffs, so talented. But you might have a fundamental discrepancy in principle. But actually, the matchup works in the lesser team's favor. You could apply this, I guess, very much to the Super Bowl last year. Maybe those two mm. teams were better matched. But the areas in which the Bucks matched up particularly well against 
the Chiefs was not, well, you can run on the Chiefs. Um, sure, you can run on the Chiefs. You've been able to run on the Chiefs for years. Oh, the Chiefs defenses. It was the it was the Bucks D against that O-line. That was that mm. was the fundamental matchup that particularly favored the Bucks. So uh, in that respect, uh, it's it difficult to look at Tampa Bay and the specific matchups with the Packers and, and the Rams. If we're talking about the big season in the NFC and think, yeah, the Rams might be a great side and might below 90% of the teams in the NFL out of the water. Not sure how well they match up when, you know, the talent wise, they might be close, but I think the, the matchups are difficult one to justify. And it's exactly right. I really think you, I mean, interesting enough. I was just watching before this um, uh, NFL all access on the Chargers. Yeah. And it was brilliant. It was talking about how Justin Herbert beat, the, the the Chiefs and the Raiders mm. and they were the head coach or, one, or I think one of their um, scouts was talking about how they realised they were going to be playing the Chiefs possibly three times a year mm-hmm. if they're going to succeed mm-hmm. two in the regular season and once in the playoffs right and so they have built their team to beat the Chiefs right because that is crucial that you beat the Chiefs. Every win against them is huge in that de- division. Yeah, and you're, and you're probably and also you're going to face at some point more, if you want to get to the Super Bowl. At some point, there's a very good chance you'll face them in the playoffs. So they have actually built that whole side mm-hmm. around handling that <laughs> Mahomes yeah. and how they're yeah. going to. So it's it, 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 it's interesting that that's what that's what goes down to. I mean, it, yeah, it's always the way that you, you get you get drawn into the regular season. Which is also a bit of a discrepancy because of the of the actual the way you forget that the team's schedules are based upon difficulty. So mm-hmm. the good teams have played all the difficult, like the Bucks have played all the good sides and still mm. come out like eleven and five or ten and six. <laughs> yeah, right, right. They've already played them as opposed to another side that snuck in playing terrible sides. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, uh, all that matters is the, is the players. It, I mean, really, that's all that matters really. Yeah. And if the Bucks can get that. I think that number one ranking spot become more, all the more uh, uh, number one record because of the way the playoffs are now with six teams. Yes, getting that by and that home advantage become all the more important. With six other well. teams, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the um, the let's go to then. So your first award and the ill-conceived Marek's midish season awards. So the best team. Are you going Bucks so far, or are there any other contenders? Yeah, I mean. I, I think so. In all, I mean, you can't. It's odd, isn't it? How Brady's so good that people don't talk about him. And the but at the, the Patriots, he's sort of gone. All right, well, we're not going to discuss that when he was there. And at the Bucks, he's sort of done the same thing. Where you go, yeah. well, okay, there's that. Everyone knows that. It's boring to talk about because it's happened for twenty years. It's extraordinary. I, I was talking <laughs> about this exact subject with Ollie. I think it was Ollie on Edge Rush last week. It was in one, one of our pods last week. We were looking at the odds for MVP, partly because we often go on about how ridiculous it is to even think about an MVP three weeks in. And so always fascinated by, by the odds. But when you get to this stage of the season, it, get, it starts to become a, a reasonable discussion to have, right? And I can't believe that Brady, irrespective of the odds, I, I was initially referencing it in terms of the hype and the talk and all the hype and the talk in terms of MVP has been Kyler Murray or Justin Herbert. And that's justified. They've both been, both been superb, right? No one's talking about Brady and, and Ollie said, yeah, well they are. He's the bookie's favorite. So we went and looked at it and he's about the sixth favorite 
I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous how this continues to happen. Uh, I think the same thing's happening with Aaron Rodgers, by the way. I think he is yeah. looking on point for maybe another MVP season. The Bucks have the Bears this weekend, Marek. What have you yeah. made so far of, of the Bears with their shift and bringing in Justin Fields? It seems to be the right call. It seems to, to already be working out uh, and has put them in a sneaky inside rail playoff spot i think what have you made of fields and the bears so far this season yeah i think he was an excellent pick i think they've got extraordinary value the way he sort of it's odd how some players uh, i think he sort of maybe said it there's a questions about his attitude or something and he just sunk yeah in the draft for for years i remember watching trevor lawrence and justin fields as high school quarterbacks as two of the highest rated high school quarterbacks and it was just lawrence and then fields and for all their college it was pretty much those two at the top right. then everyone sort of questioned his attitude and went yeah. all right it's got a bad attitude yeah and he sank to pick 12 and they went and got him i think it was a brilliant pick i think it'd yeah. be great i don't know if he'll be maybe not top 10 but still, how hard is it to get a quarterback at number, you know, mid-round? So I think right. it's, um, I mean, it's, it's it's less than 50-50. Right? If you're getting, you know, looking at the kind of mid-round picks of the last, mid-round lower, obviously, of the last um, 10 years or so. I was doing a, I wrote a piece not so long ago looking at that. And you, all these players, you forget, like, you know, Christian Ponder and all you know, these guys. He was number seven. Were, Christian Ponder, Ponder was number was seven. seven. Jake, Lock, Jake Locker, Locker, number eight. He could have been good if he got injured. There's so he many injured, of these guys. Yeah, he was yeah, yeah. in college. And then, but so many of these guys, yeah, they bounce around. Josh Rosen, of course, most uh, most recently, I guess, the, the kind of significant bust. But yeah, it's 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 a it's a great point, the value. The value they've got there for stupid. I mean, the same thing was happening with, with Justin Hubbard. They tried to make it happen, didn't they? That Sports mm. Illustrated interview and... Oh, I'm not sure. I mean, he likes, you know, he's interested in things outside of football. What, you know, how, how committed is he going to be? I mean, yeah. Madness. So, okay. Um, on to your favorite moment of the season so far. What's your favorite moment? Well, I think it's got to be the story. I mean, you were there. I, I watched the, the game on TV, which you brilliantly hosted, Nat. Um, Thanks, man. And it must have been uh, the whole Matthew Wright sto- story was brilliant. I just really, I just really loved the way. I mean, when <laughs> I'm not, the commentator went no, and they were, and the Dolphins player was celebrating with with the 54 yard field goal, yeah. which curved into the Swerved corner. In. Yeah, um, you never see that happen, or hardly ever see that happen. And I love the fact that you thought, oh, that's great. And then it was set up for him. For, no way is he gonna. He, no way is he gonna hit this. Yeah, and it's just that. I like the backstory is that he was working for some sort of aerospace company. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Three weeks before or a couple of months before. And he doesn't look like, he does look like an accountant or some guy. <laughs> physicist. He doesn't yeah. look like a proper kicker. But he's got the gig up. as well now. They've, they've cut Josh Lambeau. Oh, really? I couldn't believe that. And we talked about it with Mike on the, on the Monday show. And I said, oh, you know, and he'll be probably back to, back to that world. Mike said, oh, I'm not this Carlson, the omniscient Carlson's like, oh, I'm not so sure. And I said, they're not going to cut Josh Lambeau. He's been one of the most consistent kickers. Okay, he had a bad start, but, you know, look at Goskowski and the Titans, you know, last year. They'll stick with him. Cut. <laughs> this guy's got yeah, the yeah. It does fascinate me, that whole uh, area of, that whole constituency of players that are just on the fringes, you know, all of those players that are, bounce around from practice squads and, uh, 
as the squads are trimmed and you see it on hard knocks all the time, you know, when they're getting cut that, that jeopardy, Oh, you know, you've done a great job and you know, there'll be plenty of teams that'll be glad to have you. And they're bouncing to another camp because camp need bodies and they might get a spot on a practice squad, but all the ones that don't, right. All of those hundreds of players that aren't on a full roster or main roster or practice squad. And where do they go? You know, there's no NFL Europe. Some might chance their arm in, in the Canadian Football League, but it's a, you know it's a fundamentally different thing. The XFL went bust. There's a yeah. I think there's a, some kind of indoor league going on, but you know it's it, it's not the same game. And and these guys have to you know, either decide well I I, I want to throw in the towel. A lot of them don't. A lot of them hang on for a few years, don't they? And it's probably easier as a kicker to keep your eye in. I guess you can kind of keep relatively fit with cardio, and you just got to make sure you're you're keeping sharp. It's probably easier than being a quarterback to to do that. But it is it is fascinating that whole world of players that on the fringes uh, and never quite make it. Yeah, for a bit, for a bit like my life. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? You, I keep turning on telly and you're on it. So don't give me um, Yeah, it's, it's quite, I mean, uh, I'm interested to see what happens now. I mean, you couldn't have asked for that. It was a perfect game. I, mean, I just want to mm. ask you what the atmosphere was like. there Because yeah. you have NFL, some of the UK games... The best one I saw there live was the Detroit-Atlanta game, which was the last-minute kick as well. Yes. But some of them have been really awful games. Yes, they have, particularly the blowouts. I mean, this is, this is the, yeah. thing, the thing you absolutely want, uh, either as a fan or certainly as a broadcaster, when you've got a matchup like that, two teams. Well, I think the Dolphins are clearly underperforming given their talent and coaching, but two teams that are not in good form and in not particularly strong, strong teams this season, the perception. And I, I mean, I remember I went on, it was a Friday, I think when I was interviewing Flores and I went on talk sports drive time show and the question was asked, and this is the loaded question, which is being, was being asked a lot all week was what's this the equivalent of if this was a premier league game and everybody was saying, Oh, it's like sending, you know, Southampton and Norwich to, you know, uh, that can still be a really exciting game and often is. And this is, we've seen it before a few years back, the Washington Cincy game was the one that went, that was tied was brilliant, brilliant game. Neither team was pretty good and, and not in any serious playoff contention. So the fact it was close was the most important thing. And yeah, the ending was, was Hollywood and, we talked about it on Monday's show, but respect to Urban Meyer for that that whole phase of play. Like he's under fire. It's been easy to take shots at him. Quite a few of them are justified, but brilliance. That's one of the sharpest bits of coaching I've seen all season. All season. That seven se- that pass was seven seconds to get in yeah. the field goal range. Yeah, when no, no one, it sort of wasn't. That's not even in the book to do that. Yeah, yeah no yeah. one even goes. You don't pass and do a timeout in six seconds. And well, fair, fair play to Trevor Lawrence for pulling that off. To as pull well. it off, exactly right. And um, was it Chenault who made the catch? I think um, Can't who remember. had a few drops. Yeah, to, to step step up there. And and look, incidentally, it might have been Daryl Bevel or you know, <laughs> might, might have had nothing to do with it, and he's taking all the credit. But the but the, the Jags coaching staff collectively, uh, props to them for that. So great, exciting finish, which really helped. The fact that both teams have got a big fan base in the UK for sure. The Finns. Uh, a long-standing one. Obviously, the Jags are one of the more popular teams now because they keep coming back and a lot of the newer fans to the game have adopted them and uh, quite similar to you with the Lions, really. Probably don't realise what, <laughs> what they've let themselves in for. But yeah, really bad, really bad decision. Bad, no, they've got Trevor Lawrence. They've got 10 well, they're, they're, years they're, of yeah, it's exciting. Trevor Lawrence before he gets traded to the Rams in 10 years' time. Exactly. <laughs> Matt Stafford at number one overall pick as well. So the so the, it was a, there was a great atmosphere, a real uh, energy to the place. 
Let's go on to, I want to talk Titans Chiefs. What One of the games of the weekend, no doubt about it. And it's a, not a great week, <laughs> is it? So thank God we've got this. Your runner up for favorite moment was, was from Julio, right? I loved it. It was last week as well. <laughs> it was when the ball bounced off the, the Buffalo defense. Micah Hyde, wasn't it? Off his head. Micah Hyde's head. So you thought the play was dead. I really like weird moments like that. And Julio Jones has caught it. And what made me enjoy it more was how funny Julio thought it was. There's a clip of him laughing <laughs> at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really love, I just, uh, that's why I would like Tennessee to be successful because I've got a real soft spot for Julio Jones. Yeah, me too. He's, we talk about players you like. It's mm. odd. I think we talk about favourite players. Mm. If we talk about that, because I was saying that Matthew, luckily, my favourite players have been all like Barry Sanders, mm-hmm. Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford. It's not, half of it is the playing ability and half of it is their personalities. Yeah. And Julio Jones has always come across as like Larry Fitzgerald. Yes, exactly. I really like them. I really yeah. like them as people. Whereas Odell Beckham, I don't especially, not, not especially fan. fond of him. <laughs> I like the sort of quiet. Yeah. Uh, 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 like Justin Herbert now, he's very art- intelligent, yeah. articulate. He's like, I like him. I instantly like him yeah. and I want him to do well. And that's the players you want you playing for your I think that with Lawrence actually, watching Lawrence and J-Bell did an interview with him for... Uh, yeah, uh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. ...the show and, and said that he was just a really good guy. Uh, and all, most of, you know, most of these guys are smart enough to be gracious and uh, and certainly not obtuse when they're doing a TV interview. And particularly when you, you go in with the, you know, the BBC, for example, you know, there's always a, 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 a smartness in terms of how they handle it. But nevertheless, you can tell, I think, the even from those 15, 20 minutes that you have, that was quite interesting that with when I interviewed Flores, not only were we meant to interview him before the presser, um, but we then were then told he has to do it after the presser. So he's sat through like a 40 minute presser desperate oh, to get to training. <laughs> and then the PR said, so uh, we've been told like five, five minutes. <laughs> My producer, we're probably getting a little bit longer than that. Uh, uh, so there's always this, I mean, you've done, you know what it's like, the give and take of how much time have you got and the, the PRs, you know, tapping on the shoulder and coming into view and you get, and Flores clearly had his mind on other things, but was really gracious and, it gave genuinely considered answers and Trevor Lawrence, I think from all by all accounts was the same with J bell. He just said, look, it wasn't just a routine push the, you know, push the right buttons interview. He was a really, really considered guy. And I, I, I find that from the presses I've seen and just the way he handles himself on the sideline, all of those things, I think it bodes really well. He's somebody that is just seems to have his head totally screwed on. And I'm with you on Julio. I've always felt that about him. He's mm. what I love about him is he's such a an exceptionally good player in a, a, you know one of the flashiest roles in any sport. Right, the wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, like Cal- be- similar to Calvin Johnson as well. That's similar to Calvin saying, Johnson. Yeah, and just takes care of business. Takes care of it every time. No pomp and ceremony. Hands the ball back to the ump uh, and and just rolls. You know and. I, I love that about him. understated. So uh, all these players we've talked about have all been to the Jay Cutler School of <laughs> <laughs> School of Gratitude. <laughs> Cutler now Cutler wants now Cutler's got his own. He's been through his divorce. He's got his own shows and own reality stuff. And now he wants to be your friend. Now he wants you to be interested. I, I remember. Sorry, to <laughs> off and another tangent. When I did was at a press uh, conferences for 
when the when the Bears Bucks were came to do the NFL about ten years ago, and, yeah, and Cutler couldn't have made himself look more disinterested, <laughs> <laughs> or like he hated everyone. I mean, I've never seen anyone uh, look more like a sulky. T- they said, uh, "Jay, could you just do your best impression of a really sulky t- your peak?" Peak 13-year-old, someone's just taking you away from your PlayStation to go and meet your grandparents, and you're just about on the end of level. You're just about to complete the end of level boss. And you couldn't save it. it. Yeah, (laughs) you can't save it. (laughs) And your grandparents are up. Oh, God. Cutler, do you remember the, the Jay Cutler smoking website? Oh, what was it? Someone put a cigarette and what did they do on that they one? Just, just took loads of pictures of Jay Cutler in different situations, just superimposed cigarettes. Cigarettes, yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing if it's still live. Jay Cutler smoking. Oh, smoking Jay Cutler. The orange is, it was smoking Jay Cutler. There was actually a Twitter handle called smoking Jay Cutler as well. Uh, this is incredible. Jay Cutler smoking during press conference. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole load of stuff I didn't know there. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, smoking Jay Cutler blossomed into an internet sensation. Ah, oh, that's amazing. Uh, I don't think uh, there's a great one here. We'll people, for people who don't know, I mean, how old is Jay Cutler reference? When did he leave? About five years ago? Oh, he played till, yeah. Quite, I mean, I reckon Cutler only hung him up three years ago. Yeah. He's only been retired for a couple of years. I remember being at I think it was the Minnesota Super Bowl on Radio Row. And on the Thursday and Friday on Radio Row is when it gets, um, there's an American bodybuilder called Jay Cutler as well. <laughs> For a minute, I, thought that's what I wish was. it was the same one. I love it so much. We just spent the last three years. Bulking work. up. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, he's, yeah, Jay Cutler bodybuilder ranks higher than uh, Jay Cutler. Um, and if I, 2017 was his last season of the Dolphins. Um, yeah, Kristin Cavallari, who was his now uh, ex-wife, who was his wife at the time, had some reality show. I don't know if you ever saw any of that, which uh, and on Radio Row, on the Thursday and Friday in particular, is when loads of the um, entertainment celebs rock up and do and do the rounds of Radio Row. And it's, I mean, it's incredible in, in terms of experience and environment. Ridiculous. Everything you'd imagine. All the, all the good and bad of uh, the Super Bowl hype. And... She was she was doing the rounds and, and working, you know, working all the various radio stations. They have number of TV crews now in Radio Row, and and Cutler was just <laughs> languishing along behind, looking <laughs> looking like again he would rather be anywhere else with you know with her entourage. It was all about her, you see. I think he appeared on the show, but uh, not on not in this particular thing. It was all interviews. I with wonder her. what he actually liked doing then. I'd love to know what it was that playing American football and doing uh, <laughs> press conferences was taking him away from what is it that he loved so much? <laughs> what makes that, Jay Cutler that, tick? That, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, answers, answers, please write to the, uh, Nat Coombs show. What was, uh, Jay Cutler's secret hobby <laughs> at the NC show? What do you think Jay Cutler would, it would be something really surprising. I think, I think it, you know, it would be because he's quite a laconic, understated guy. So, you'd probably want... be painting, painting Warhammer models. <laughs> I think he likes collecting shells. I think Jake Cutler's got quite a big shell. Collecting, collection. yeah, shells. Listen made... to them, holds them to his ear, and can hear the ocean. Or making, he was uh, making clay animals, making clay whales. 
I love no, I it think, if he was a I sculptor. Think, I think I think so, but I think he makes uh, sculptures of other NFL players and coaches. It yeah, is d- decapitated. <laughs> None of them have heads. <laughs> we better go into some other games because we've only got about two uh, when you get in trouble with Ollie here. Okay, so your favourite player of the season so far? Well, it would be, it's always Matthew Stafford. Yeah. But discounting that, it's like a Tom Brady thing. I really like Justin Herbert. I just like... Uh, the way he, although they struggled against the Ravens, but he's allowed to have an off game. I love his poise in the pocket. I like mm. seeing this pocket passer, huge player who can run. And I love his, I love watching him throw. Aesthetically, he's pleasing to watch. I even like the Chargers kit. The whole thing is just... Um, this works for you. He's, I mean, his yeah. progression year on year has been extraordinary. And it bodes really well when we're looking as much as we can project for, for those players that we think are going to be that carried the torch from Brady and Breeze and, uh, you know, and that Roethlisberger and that generation. I mean, Mahomes obviously is there. Lamar is there. Uh, it feels that Allen's there as well. Now it feels that Herbert already in a season and a half is, is, is fast getting into that group, right? Yeah. I mean, you've got the, uh, uh, that, that Chiefs Chargers rivalry is going to be brilliant mm. for 10 years. I think Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's going to be the, it's, I mean, it's a shame in the same division really, because it's going to be one of them in the wild card, but, it's also great. You get to see those two players face off and the AFC has suddenly blossomed in some, some sort of legion of young super teams. Uh, it really has. Well, the Titans Chiefs, we, we touched on it a bit earlier. We didn't really look at the game in, in more detail because the Titans are off the back of, of that huge win, but they're going in banged up, right? So yeah, Julio got, Jones is out. Taylor Julio's Co- out. Taylor one is out, yeah, Taylor as well, out as well. Caleb Farley's torn his ACL, uh, the corner, so they're banged up in the, I mean, they're banged up in the secondary anyway. So uh, it, it's interesting. We talked about the matchups and, and obviously Derek Henry versus a Chiefs run defense, which can't really stop anyone. <laughs> Bodes well for the, for the Titans, but this is predicated on the fact that they are going to be able to go to the ground game and they're not chasing the game. And you could easily see the Chiefs here, given how depleted the Titans are it, defensively and how they're no great shape defensively anyway rolling into a two-score lead and the Titans are going to have to, they'll never deviate from the run when they've got Henry, but at the same time, it's not as straightforward as, you know, lead. this is again, goes back to importance of situation in, in these key matchups. If the Titans can get early scores on the board and, and at least keep it even, then this becomes a very different game. If the Chiefs do the classic bang, bang, three plays, like they're suddenly up 14, nothing, the whole dynamic changes. I mean, just put a bet on this being a 50 plus points. Yeah. I just yeah. think it's going to be, but you're, I was watching, I mean, Derek Henry is one of those rare running backs who is almost unstoppable. He mm. just looks like a diff, he looks like a different Goliath, David player who just comes through. So yeah, they're going to do that. It's just how effectively they can do They've still got AJ Brown, you know, it's AJ Bross's name, mm-hmm. the Brown, who's their receiver. Yeah. And so, I still think I like the tight. I mean, if the Titans win this, the Chiefs are in serious, serious trouble. And they're already in trouble. I think we're facing this sort of rejuvenated. Well, Raiders mm. are playing better. I think the Broncos are going to slump. Yeah. But the Chargers have got a chance of just getting through in that division. The Titans, they don't really need to win this game. Because mm, their division is so vanilla. They're going to. The division, gonna... I looked at their, um, their schedule and. They've got this game. I think they've got the Rams. 
mm-hmm. and then one other tricky side, and then they're just playing, you know, Jaguars, Texans, Colts, and Colts. they're going to win and it. And also other other weak uh, Patriots, who I don't think are really that good. The type of the East, aren't they? So they've got the Dolphins and the Jets, yeah. Yeah, they've got, they're, well, they lost to the Jets by, by incredibly. That's one of the t- teams they lost to. But of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their, um, their schedule is, I cannot see them not winning that division. And yeah. the Colts might have a bit of a revival. I think they're the sort of team uh, that could well, come back. I think the Colts. So it's interesting you say that because the Colts uh, this week have got the 49ers. Uh, another game I want to ask you about. Are the Colts the best team with a losing record in the NFL right now? I think they're the best. Well, I think Frank Reich is a really great coach. Mm. And I think Carson Wentz is, is just fitting in. Last week, he was just starting to play. You went a bit Austrian then. You went a bit Carson Wentz. I always say Wentz. What is it, Carson? <laughs> no, no, you did. it's fine. I do as well a lot of the time. But you what just added it? a little Austrian, little Carson Wentz. So Carson Wentz is a good player, yeah. <laughs> He's my favourite of all of them. And I would give him all of my chocolate. Um, that's Austrian, also German. Um, it's brilliant. Austrian. I think... He was starting to sort of play the long balls a bit more, and he's and also you've got T. Y. Hilton was coming back. Exactly. Um, the, the new draft pick, Kai, what's his name? He was back in the side. Eric Fisher had just returned from injury. Mm-hmm. I think the Colts are too good. They've got too much experience coaching, and that division's so weak. Mm. I think they will come back. And if you look at the the wild card teams. It's almost like two in both AFC and NFC. There's about five great teams. Yes, you've got the Bills, uh, Chargers, Chiefs, and then you could say maybe Ravens, uh, Ravens, Browns, and even the Cincinnati. I mean, the The Colts are five hundred chance. I mean, it's a good good point you make. A good chance of getting that seventh place. The Colts have got a good chance of getting that wild card to to nick in because yeah, I mean they because two and four is not it's not the end of the world again in that division, right? I mean, because you think that nine is nine and eight might take that division. Uh, quite quite possibly could. The Titans will probably get to ten because you know you mentioned their schedule. So after the Chiefs. They've got the Colts, the Rams, the Saints, but then the Texans, Patriots, Jags, Steelers. And yeah, it's a mixed bag, 49ers in there. So they should make nine and nine should be enough. But if it stays around eight or nine, I mean, an eight and nine record making the playoffs in the first year of the 17 game schedule would be interesting. You're right though on, I've actually this week, my column for Scorecut is on AFC power rankings. And I think this will wind up a lot of... Uh, people it's not intentional it's not why i did it um and i'm expecting to be hit back on it but i've actually got the chiefs in afc power rankings at three i've got them ahead mm-hmm. of uh i've got them ahead of the charges i've got the ravens up top um ravens bills bills and then chiefs Jeez. yeah and although you know the record i know i get it but i am i think there is and listeners, I won't go on this one again because you've heard me do it three or four times in the last couple of weeks. Suffice to say, Barrett, for your benefit, everyone's overreacting to this chief situation. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you as well. It's just one of those things. It's just that the defense is bad, but then again, their schedule is harder, so hard, and they and they can beat. They're they're playing playoff teams pretty much all the time. Exactly, exactly right. And they will they will get better defensively as the season goes on. They always do. 
underspags and they are at 100% holding all kinds of trickery for the playoffs offensively. You, you guarantee why waste it now? So they're going to be fine. The 49ers, Marek, what do you make of the, the Jimmy G and Trey Lance argument? Because it seems to be now moved right back to, well, it's got to be Jimmy G all the way, but it absolutely is a divided opinion. And Jimmy G's been injured, of course, which has forced the issue a little bit. But for them this season to seriously contend for the championship, have they got a better chance with Garoppolo or with Trey Lance being brought in when he's had a little bit more time to bet in six or seven weeks time? Well, I think what one thing that really affected it was the Wilson injury. I mean, how old Russell? How 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 long is he out for Russell Wilson? Eight nine weeks probably. Yeah. So before that, then you go. All right, you're not going to beat the Seahawks. Mm. You're not going to beat the Rams. You're not going to beat the Cut. In that division's almost impossible. But with this, with Russell Wilson out, suddenly. I would say the 49ers, if they get their players back from injury and people start playing at the ability they, sh- they should be playing at, mm. they could get that third spot and that number seven wild card thing. Mm. Because I think there's also, because you look at the um, NFC East, it's just the Cowboys going to walk that. Yeah. NFC North, the Packers have won that. And then you've got the, the Buccaneers w- winning in there. I always get mixed up. If it's the South or whatever. It's in the South, south. It? yeah, it is the South. So in you've the got Central, the, in the NFC Central. The, you've got the, <laughs> the the 49ers have now got a legitimate chance of getting that, being that sixth or seventh side in the NFC, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's games like this where the Colts and the 49ers, for me, are pretty much the same. They're in this weird mid-level spot mm. in both divisions. Mm. I think if you're going to go for the playoffs play Garoppolo but then again you think what is the because he is more efficient he can just get it done yeah but then you think what is the point what is the point in just getting a wild card when I cannot see the 49ers overcoming the the big heavyweights in that division I just can't see them doing it with Garoppolo with, or would you well, say forget the season with Garoppolo yeah with Garoppolo but, but with Lance they got a better chance or are you saying blood no, Lance no I just think, just, right I think blood Lance yeah, yeah interesting looking at um at the Seahawks uh, I maybe overstated it a bit so obviously he's been out for a cut well went out in the game another week gone so two weeks roughly and the earliest he can come back this is Russell Wilson they're reporting is the week 10 game against the Packers which is the 14th of November so about a month away but uh, they've also reached out uh, to Cam Newton did you read that Seahawks looking at Cam Newton oh no uh, which would be an interesting I, well, I think his arm's gone isn't it Gino I think a better bet um, a better bet I think yeah I thought he's playing well when I watched Newton play uh, last year, I did think at some point he's just his accuracy is just completely gone, isn't it? Yeah, so it was a weird season because he had that really good game against the Seahawks when I thought, oh, okay, he's still absolutely got a got a big arm, and then then he got COVID. Do you remember? And then he was never the same. After oh, COVID. right, I didn't know he had COVID. I didn't know that. Yeah, and you thought, and who the hell knows what the impact of COVID is? You know, on a case by case basis, to let alone to a professional athlete, right? But Glo- globally. Global, <laughs> meant specifically to, to Cam Newton and, and how he's recovered oh, okay. or otherwise. Uh, all right, one more for you. The game of the weekend, Miami against Atlanta. <laughs> where, where, where do we sit with this? So Miami, interested in your perspective on it, given what everything we've talked about with the Lions. Just before we started recording, we were, we were talking about the Dolphins and 
the the future's bright because Flores is, I feel, in control. The defense is, I mean, look, let's not overstate it here. They were that close to beating the Jags and suddenly, oh, their season's back on track and they were missing four of their best players. Maybe their mm. four best players, in fact. Right? Yeah, their secondary was non-existent, really, wasn't it? Non-existent. Three of their, three of their best players, anyway, certainly with, with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones out and Devontae Parker out, Preston Williams as well, uh, wasn't factoring. So they, I mean, come on, they were properly banged up there. And I know eh, every team has banged up, but I think it's easy to get over over to overreact to the Miami situation. However, and here's my question for you, if, and it's possible, things unravel even more and they suddenly find themselves, I don't know, one and nine, do you think there's a point where Flores does come under pressure? It's odd, isn't it? Because I don't know if they can in that division, you should surely pick up wins against the Jets. I think they're good enough to beat the Patriots as well. A good record I think against it's, them, of course, but yeah. I think... <laughs> It won't be on Flores, I think, or the Christians will go on tour rather than Flores. Yeah, right. Because I think people, I just like the way Flores coaches. I like his his play calling has been quite interesting. And even when a couple of seasons ago, was it when uh, when Miami were written off, they were just producing all these amazing plays for the play from their playbook, and they were exciting to watch. Yeah, yeah. So I really like this coaching. But I mean, I think I don't know if he will get the criticism because I think people, I, I'm quite impressed with him as a coach. What he's done, it's just one of those seasons with injuries. What do you think? I mean, you, you're the fan of Miami. Yeah, you'd have to say that. But what uh, do yeah, you think? I'd have to say that. I I agree with with everything you've just said, particularly the fact that it's a regression, but then we've seen that we saw that with the bills, right? So they had early success on the McDermott, then they regressed, then they moved on. I mean, it's, it's eerily similar, really the, how that's playing out, particularly with the, the type of team that Flores is building, which is, is defense first. And there, there are certain mistakes and missteps. I think they've made in the front office. I was a, not a big fan. Chris Greer is the GM and I wasn't a big fan of initially. And I was totally wrong about this of getting rid of Minka and Laramie Tunsil because mm. I, because they're younger players, like I get the whole Belichick upside, you know, sell high if it's Gilmore or whoever, you know, that rather than uh, rather than invest in a very heavy contract as, as a player is probably going to decline. But in those two instances, they were young. You need to build your team around that. But the draft capital that they've acquired is significant. And by and large, it seems to have played out. But, you know, you've got uh, Igbenone, the corner who started on Sunday uh, and still juries out on him, two of the juries out, you know, so there are, they're obviously both first rounders. So there's still uh, questions I think about whether those deals will have paid off, but Kyle Van Noy going, it's a point that Carlson made on the show. And I think Osi was making as well on the broadcast on Sunday, both of them, and those, you know, a fair bit about football losing him, I think has been a big loss this season. And that's where, for all of the mistakes and missteps that ex-Belichick lieutenants make, well, you know this better than most with, with Matt Patricia, right? Yeah. Where there are fundamentals that I think need to be maintained, in, in, you look around every Belichick era successful team, the, the leaders in that team and in that locker room, right? And it doesn't have to necessarily yeah. be the stars. Someone like Matthew Slater is a great example of that. In the, well, Andre Diggs at Detroit, when, they, when Patricia got rid of him because right. he was the leader. Right. And that just... Basically, 
no, the whole squad nosedived. Carl yeah. Van Noy was the sort of leader of the defense, yes. really, wasn't he? Yeah, emotionally, emotionally, and and, so, and yeah. that's the thing, and and both of those. It's a great, it's a great example you make of Patricia and Diggs because it is. Uh, it, it, uh, when that happened, I think you and I might have even spoken about it. It was exactly like when uh, Belichick got rid of Loy Malloy in, in in New England and the whole locker room turned on him and uh, and they got blown out the next game and then they turned it around, right? But by that stage, they'd won a Super Bowl. Patricia doing that just reeked of, I'm going to do what better. I don't know. You know no one of one player is bigger than anything. And I'm going to, mm. it was just a classic copycat moment that, that didn't pay off. And I think, I don't know whether that's the situation with Flores and, and Van Noy and it doesn't strike me as that kind of, that kind of guy, Flores. But I think that is a mistake. And I think that's had an impact in, in terms of what's happened. They've had some close games that, that haven't gone to plan. Two has been injured. So he's had, a, you know, the deck stacked against him. So I'm all for look, continuity. Most of the time works, right? If you look at most of the successful teams in the history of the, the, the last 20, 25 years, they stuck to their guns. They've stuck to, you know, Tomlin, Harbaugh, Belichick. These guys have been longstanding coaches and their teams are almost always in the playoffs. So mm. I think just hold firm is what I'd, what I'd say. Marek, we're out of time, man. It's great to catch up with you. What, uh, outside of taking coastal walks, what else uh, are you up to at the moment? Are you uh, filming anything? Have you just finished filming? Got some, you can do a lot on YouTube as well, of course. So plug away on some of the stuff you do. Oh, I'm doing, so main thing I'm doing is filming my walks. I mean, it's very, I realised only, you probably get a 0.01% crossover of people <laughs> like American football and you like walking. But if you like walking, I've done a, a video channel called Cool Dudes Walking Club. It's on YouTube. I recently walked across the Isle of Wight in one day. Wow. Part of the Mountbatten charity thing, which is raising money for a hospice uh, on the Isle of Wight. So I raised nearly £2,000 for that. So oh, I'm congrats. quite pleased. How long did and, it take um, you, the walk? Uh, nine hours and 30 minutes. Mm, 27 miles. Did you film the whole I also thing? I've got... Pardon? Did you film the whole thing? Yeah, well, no, I didn't hold the camera for all <laughs> the, the nine hours. Okay. I made a Still video bit. of that. You can yeah. see it all, and all my other videos of me walking. And I've got a Marek Larwood YouTube channel. Also, I plugged the game. I, I made a game called hmm. Pooh Man Cards, a card game. It's a great game. Which uh, I've bought a whole load more of them. I don't think I'm ever going to sell them. So it's please go to, to Christmas, Pooman. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, uk if you want a Christmas present. And the sport I invented, Wolfsball, my dad's been working on it, and that is we're at the next iteration of the Wolfsball. Oh, Wolfsball's coming back. That is very exciting. Hopefully, at some point. Pooh Man is we, thoroughly endorsed in this household, so I heartily recommend it. Uh, so go and, uh, what's the URL again? So Pooh Man Cards? UK. There we go. So go and go and get a great, it's a brilliant stocking filler. A, a, brilliant, a really fun one. So go and do that. Great to hear Wolfsball come back as well. So we'll have to get into that next time. That'll be, I mean, that'll probably take over the podcast. Matt, you'll be doing that <laughs> We could do a Bullsball podcast. I like that. Yeah. It's really good to catch up with you, bud. Loved talking football with you for the last hour or so. Come back Great. and see us soon, yeah? Lovely. Take care. Bye, listeners. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Always amongst my most favourite shows, working with Marek. He's so much fun to chat to, loves his football. I love where we go with it. So you can guarantee he is going to be back very, very soon. 
listeners and uh, show them some love. We'll push out uh, links to some of the stuff uh, that he was talking about on our social channels at the NC Show. Edge Rush, some of the games that we didn't do on the Week 7 slate, we will get into me and Propo on Edge Rush, uh, which will drop a little bit later on this week, as will our latest College Days, me and Ben back with College Days as well. So plenty more pods coming your way. Uh, we've got a rookie watch thing on College Days, incidentally. So if there are any rookies you'd like us uh, to take a closer look at, uh, let us know. Use the hashtag rookie watch at the NC show and we will do our best to squeeze them in as well. Finally, finally, just wanted to give a big shout out to all of you who are taking time to leave reviews on the pod platforms that you're listening to us on. We massively appreciate that because you don't need to do it. It helps us help spread the word for the show and uh, the algorithm, whatever the hell that is. Uh, apparently it's good for that. So we massively appreciate it. And it's just great to hear feedback and that you guys are enjoying it because we love making it and uh, we are enjoying the ride. So good to have you with us and long may it continue. We will be back with College Days and Edge Rush later on this week. We'll see you then. Bye for now. Fellow baseball nuts, join us on the Johnny and Josh show with my baseball brothers where JC will endeavor to offer some insightful analysis and my friend Eric Jansen will offer quirky baseball trivia but we also have David Langell who will combine a high level of inappropriateness with a low level of analysis the Johnny and Josh show available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts sports social podcast network